Atlas Fallen, in a lot of ways, is a very beautiful game. And frankly, it brings an interesting combat system that can be as mindless or as difficult as you like. If you wanna just have a button masher, you can play the game on easy and get that. And if you want a pretty challenging combat experience, they have that too. The world given to you for exploration is fairly expansive, especially considering that this is a $50 double A game. And there's clearly been a lot of passion and love put in here. But after finishing the 12 or so hour campaign, I'm left with mixed emotions. You see, there are parts of Atlas Fallen that I thoroughly enjoyed, but there are a lot of other parts of it which remind me of a game that I really wish I could forget. You know what, go to the comment section and just right now comment in whatever you think that game is, that this is basically just a carbon copy of unintentionally. I, I, I'm not sure if you'll get it. It's. Uh... It surprised me. Now I went into this game approaching it the very same way I approach all other games for review, skeptically. And in this video, I'm going to explain to you why the experience presented here has left me markedly less excited than when I went in. And we're gonna get into all of the nitty gritty details in this a skeptical review of Atlas Fallen, right after we say a thank you to our sponsor. This video is sponsored by Logitech G and the Astro A30 headset. With an extremely comfortable design, great battery life, and the compatibility to work with any of your devices, the Astro A30 headset is a phenomenal choice for gamers looking to up their audio game. Check them out at the link in the description box or in the pinned comment below. Now, based on the initial trailers that I saw for this game, I thought it was going to be something very different than what we ended up getting. These initial trailers were awesome. This one we got at Gamescom 2022, so just last year. And when I saw this, I thought the game looked badass. It features online co-op, so you can play with a friend if you want to, and you can fight these huge wraith creatures that are big and epic and crazy. And it got me really excited to see what this game would look like when we finally got it. And this transition into the gameplay also got me really excited because I thought that the gameplay actually looked just as good as the cinematics in a lot of ways. It seemed to be thematically in tune and I was excited to see what they had to offer. But this is far from a Monster Hunter style game. This is far from what you probably are expecting. If I had to describe Atlas Fallen, how I would describe it is Forspoken, with a protagonist that doesn't talk as much and isn't as cringy because he's just or she's just flat, just doesn't do much of anything. And in that capacity, it's less cringy, though there certainly is still cringe to be found. One more shot for us means more hope for this world. And listen, cringe is one of those things that's really hard to define, but you know it when you see it. You know, like, I don't know how to describe when something's cringy, but it just is. And there are moments in this game that are cringy, just like there were many in Forspoken. But at least this game isn't trying to make you fall in love with the protagonist or think that they're really cool and badass. They just are kind of there. The protagonist in this game is just there to get you from point A to point B, and that's it. It doesn't have a compelling story, I think, because of that, because the stakes are really low. They make you the superhero of the story, and you're just extremely boring. But I think it's better than what Forspoken did, so I'm counting it as a win. So yeah, but once you actually start the game, you'll be probably a bit shell-shocked with what they task you with doing. It opens up with you playing as a character from Dances with Smurfs. 
This is narratively significant because this character that you are playing as, the Smurf, gets basically transported into the gauntlet that you're going to start wearing that's going to give you all of these combat abilities. Frankly, it's a really trippy opening and made me wonder whether I booted up the correct game. <laughs> After this, you'll customize your character, and while the customization here is far from Baldur's Gate 3, I think it's serviceable for a double-A game like this. From there, the game very slowly introduces you to the world and the characters that inhabit it, but in my opinion, it's such a slow start that I think a lot of people are going to grow bored and potentially set the game down before they even see the good stuff. But if you get past the prologue, the game will open up into the first chapter, giving you access to the open world. Then they will task you with upgrading the gauntlet that you wear which allows you to perform all of your various movement and combat abilities things like your double jump single double and eventually triple dashes among many other abilities the way the game tasks you with upgrading this is by requiring the player to run around the map and collect what are called shards these are effectively a crafting currency which will be used to upgrade the gauntlet itself i don't mind this in principle because they're opening up the world to you and then tasking you with going and collecting this thing which gives you an excuse to go to each corner of the map but it's not a great start to begin the most interesting part of your game with what are effectively three individual fetch quests. However, maybe this was intentional because there are some decent side quests in these opening hours that I found much more interesting than anything I did in the main story. Maybe they were trying to push you into the side content by making the main content boring, but that creates its own onslaught of issues if we go that route. But regardless of which of these activities you engage with, most of them are going to be bookended with combat encounters, usually one to start and then traveling to a new location and then having another large enemy encounter at the end before you get the thing you were seeking out. It's in these large combat encounters that the game really shines. While the combat system isn't extremely complex, it is serviceable. And as I mentioned at the top, it is just as complex and difficult as you want it to be. If you want a button masher, set the game to easy and you can button mash till your heart's content. However, if you want an honestly challenging combat and gameplay experience, that is also here to be had on harder difficulties. The combat system is pretty straightforward with a basic attack and then usually a ranged or very close range attack. Each of these are routed to their independent buttons, square or X if you're on Xbox, for the basic strong attack and then for the ranged attack or the close range attack depending on which weapon you equip you're going to be pressing triangle or y you can also hold down these buttons to get charged variants of these attacks or you can press these in a specific combination to create a combo to deal out higher damage or to create sweeping attacks etc furthermore and perhaps the most interesting element of the game's combat system is the momentum meter this is generated by hitting and defeating foes and it increases the damage that you deal while also increasing the damage that you receive the more it's filled. This encourages you to expend it frequently if you don't want to risk major blows or if you're taking on a really big boss towards the end of the game with a ton of health, you can just rack up this meter and not use any of your extra abilities that will spend it in order to deal out as much damage as possible so long as you can avoid his big attacks. Furthermore, as the meter grows, it also expands your weapons and your moveset, at least in theory. They call this ascending in the game, and it's a cool visual representation of your power growing as the momentum increases. And this is what I mean by the game can be as complex or as simple as you want to make it. If you want just a button masher, you can just button mash square or X and have a decent time getting through the combat encounters pretty easily on the easiest difficulty. But if you want a challenge, 
it is there to be had where you're going to have to be very careful with your movement and you're going to have to build out your character in a very specific way because there are action RPG elements here. You see, you can customize both your suits and armor and also essence stones. The armor sets you can collect from either vendors or you'll get some through the main story at certain checkpoints. Each of these can usually be upgraded three times, meaning that if you get a level five armor set, you can upgrade it further to increase its efficacy at least for a couple of chapters of the story. In general, I think they did a pretty good job with these. They look pretty good, and each of the armor sets have their own unique specialization in terms of the gameplay style that they encourage. Some are very focused on high damage output. Others are focused more on defensive play, so whichever you like, you can pursue. As for the essence stones, these can be upgraded and crafted using materials collected through exploration and by defeating bosses. The blueprints, effectively, that you can use to craft these things are also collected after defeating large difficult enemies or passing certain points in the story. Furthermore, these are broken up into three tiers, bronze, silver, and gold. There are three squares and a diamond for each tier, with the squares representing passive effects to your character in combat and with the diamond representing an active effect. Basically, as you build your essence meter, you also will unlock the ability to activate one of these active diamond abilities within each tier. Of course, the higher the meter grows, the more powerful the ability in theory will be. And again, this allows you to really customize your character as you like. If you want to play something that's very high risk, high reward, high damage, but also very low defense, you can do that, customizing out the different essence stones to capitalize on that. And if you want to play somebody that's super tanky, very high defense, high health, but you don't deal a lot of damage, you can also do that. And I actually really like this system and I think it generally works pretty well. It certainly gets the job done at least within the first few hours. I, however, grew frustrated towards the end of the game because it didn't feel as though after 10 hours of gameplay, I had collected the things I really wanted in order to customize a character to the fullest extent, because there's only so many armor sets available to you that towards the end of the game, only one or maybe two are really going to be viable. And each of these armor sets have specific requirements if you want to unlock their full potential. Just like you can see with this late game example of armor right here, where you can unlock an additional 13 recovery points if you add two momentum stones or these sort of blue stones into your gauntlet or you can unlock a further 12 shatter points if you equip three tricks essence stones and all of this just leads the player into situations where you have a certain build you want to make but you can't because that means that you're going to miss out on the additional stat bonuses which are the only thing that really make this suit worth it over your other suit of armor that is also pretty well upgraded or fully upgraded even, but that isn't at this max level. Basically, there's just not enough armor suits in the game to really make it feel as though there's a lot of variability here, and that's unfortunate. It is possible that there are more hidden in the game that I wasn't able to find for whatever reason, maybe some tied behind a side quest or something I missed, but that doesn't feel like it fixes the problem. If most people are going to play the main story and complete various side activities while they go through, I think they should at the very least be confronted with enough options to acquire more suits of armor that can encourage them to try different styles of play or suits of armor that fit their current style of play that they're enacting and practicing with at this very moment. Instead, it felt like every time I got a new suit of armor, I had to change my play style to fit with these stat bonuses 
And that maybe was by design, but it was a little frustrating because it made me feel as though this wasn't actually trying to offer me action RPG mechanics, but rather they were just trying to force me into trying different styles of play. While, you know, like being passive aggressive about it and not just like, oh, you lost this weapon, figure out this weapon now. No, it's super passive aggressive. Like, oh, well, geez, if you want to stand a chance, you're going to have to figure out how to use the trick stones. So I guess figure that out. <laughs> but all of the combat is really defined by the enemies you will take on. And unfortunately, the game also lacks variability and variety here as well. There really are not that many enemies to take on. Most of the wraiths that you're going to be fighting through the game, you will see within the first few hours. And after that, there are are a couple more that you'll encounter towards the end of the game, but these are almost immediately recycled into mini boss encounters later in the story. In addition, a lot of these bosses share the same archetype moveset. So while one of these giant wraiths may look like a crab, if it has a big slam attack, that doesn't feel that different to play against than if a humanoid wraith that you fight goes like this as well to smash. It's basically the same attack. They try to get around this later in the game by throwing waves and waves of enemies at you in some pretty difficult encounters as well while throwing AOE effects at you. And these certainly introduce challenge, but not because the enemy variety has increased or improved, simply because there's more to deal with. And they do this hoping that you don't recognize or at the very least get upset by the lack of enemy variety. I'm also not going to show it for spoiler reasons, but the final boss encounter is markedly lackluster, a lot less exciting than I was hoping for. And frankly, it was pretty underwhelming. He looked really cool. The final encounter was epic enough, but in terms of actual gameplay mechanics, it wasn't anywhere near as difficult as I was expecting. Basically, there's like three parts to the final quest. The first two are pretty tough and will take you a while to get through if you're playing on hard. But then the last one was kind of a cakewalk. I don't know if that's just me or if it was a weird way that they balanced it or something they're going to patch out, but it was a little underwhelming. But beyond the combat, the only other thing that the game really has to offer is exploration of these levels. And unfortunately, the world just isn't that interesting. The side quests do help with this, and I do think there are some interesting NPCs and some fun conversations to be had. There are some quirky characters here. However, when you're actually out in the dunes doing the weird sand skiing thing, which actually feels pretty good to get around, you're going to notice that there's just not a lot going on. The only dynamic activities or events that will pop up are random wraiths spawning in large open areas, and then the occasional rare item that might drop on the ground that you need to collect in order to either upgrade or craft those essence stones we talked about before. It's basically the exact same problem that Forspoken had as well, a big empty world with a decent combat system and characters that are kind of bland and uninteresting. Again, the only real difference is that in this game they don't try to shove the main character down your throat making you fall in love with them and appreciate them for their wit and charm when in actuality they're just not that charismatic at all in this case the main character is extremely bland your gauntlet buddy that's going to talk to you throughout the game is also very bland doesn't try to be funny or particularly interesting he's just kind of there and the world itself that you've been tasked with saving 
after the first hour or two really fails to showcase any reason it deserves to be saved. It's just filled with a bunch of kind of grumpy and bored people and that's it. It makes me wonder if they were trying to do something else when they started development because the first hour or two of the game they really lean heavily into the narrative, lots of cutscenes, lots of dialogue, and they let off the pedal real quick on that in the later stages of the game. So I don't know if things shifted during development, if they were going to try to make this more narratively focused. But either way, right now, it just feels like it's trying to both do a story and also not. And it just doesn't do either of those things well, you know? It's just jack of all trades, master of none. And so in conclusion, what I would say is that having gotten this game for free for review, I'm actually kind of glad I played it. I had a decent time and the 12 hour runtime I thought was decent enough to justify potentially a $50 price, though only for a very select few people. For most, I think the game's not gonna overstay its welcome, but for 50 bucks, 12 hours of gameplay that already starts to feel a little repetitive thanks to the lack of enemy variety and the environmental variety being pretty poor, I just think a lot of people are gonna say that that's just not enough. But I do think that they laid an interesting foundation and I would personally like to see what they do with a sequel, for example, with a bigger budget, some crazier monsters that can do wacky stuff with different move sets and then higher quality quests and characters that can take center stage so long as they're not cringy. But again, that's tricky because this game is currently priced at 50 bucks. It's not on Game Pass. And while it might eventually get there, it's hard to recommend at $50 right now. Honestly, if you looked at this review, if you've seen the gameplay footage on screen and you think, oh, that looks like it could be interesting, you should try it. I think you might actually have a good time because for some people, this is gonna be a great get at 50 bucks. But for a lot of other people that are hoping for something much bigger and more extravagant, I think you might end up being a little underwhelmed at just how repetitive this game ends up getting by the time you're done with it. Thankfully, it doesn't stretch it out into a 30, 40, 50 hour campaign and instead just kind of ends it right as they feel like they've run out of stuff to show you. But still, it doesn't change the fact that there's only 12 hours of stuff here for 50 bucks. If it looks interesting, I could easily recommend it to you if it goes on sale or certainly if it's on a service like Game Pass. But at 50 bucks, I think you should carefully consider whether or not this is where your money is best spent, especially considering that we've got big games such as Starfield, Armored Core, Spider-Man 2, all sorts of stuff coming in the next month or two. So all that to say, if I'd wrap up my feelings, I would say it's aight. It's, it's just fine. <laughs> it's, it's not really good. It's not great. It's, it's not like bad, bad. It's not terrible or anything. It's just kind of there, you know, it's like, it's a good game to play over a weekend, but whether you want to spend 50 bucks on a weekend of entertainment is up to you. Or for some of you guys, I know you play pretty hardcore. Maybe it's just like a Saturday evening for you. 12 hours, Jesus Christ. Seriously, I don't know how you guys do it. Like my old roommate, he once played for 14 hours straight. I think it was when Destiny 2 launched. And he played Destiny 2 like for for like 14 hours straight. It blew my mind. Like he just went and went and went and like ordered food in and then kept playing. I just, I don't know how you guys do it. It blows my mind. I wish I could do that. I have too much ADHD to do that. I have to swap it up and do different stuff. 
I'm not that cool. But with that said, thank you for watching. I love you all dearly. And if you enjoyed the review, make sure to hit the like button. That helps. Blah, blah, blah. Stupid YouTuber stuff. You've heard it all before. I'm just glad that you watched my video and that you helped make my dreams a reality every single day. Never think I take you for granted. I truly don't. Shout out to Focus Entertainment for sending me the review code a full week early. That was awesome. And of course, shout out to all of you guys who are wonderful and that I love dearly. Much love. I'll see you in the next one. Hugs and kisses. Bye-bye.